Hello, I'm delighted you can join us, and thanks for giving us your time. You're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. In this series, Brian is looking each week at a different New Testament scripture, looking into the scriptures to see how they can help us put our relationship with Jesus Christ on a proper footing. And last week, we looked into Acts chapter 2 and putting knowledge into action. This time it's Paul's letter to the Ephesians and chapter 4 and our relationship with Christ as head of his church. So here's Brian. Thanks, John. As you've said, we're returning to take a further look at Paul's biblical letter to the Ephesians. Earlier in this series, we've already seen that he's introduced the church, the one known as the body of Christ, at the very end of the first chapter. This is the universal church comprised of all true believers on Christ since the Holy Spirit was given. That's made clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. There we read that all believers are baptised by the Lord Jesus in the Spirit into the church, which is the body of Christ. This is, of course, the church of which the Lord famously said he'd build it. That was in Matthew 16. Now, in this letter to the local church of God at Ephesus, we actually have two views of the church. One sees it in its ultimate presentation as being flawless. The other is a partial view of how it's represented temporarily here on earth, as it was back then in the first century churches of God. It's in this view that it's meaningful to long for its corporate maturity. This comes about by means of gifted believers speaking doctrinal truth to each other in a loving way, until the full measure of the unity of the apostolic Christian faith is arrived at. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. First of all, let's read in chapter 4 and from verse 11. And he, that's the ascended Christ, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Paul shares a little more detail here about the glorious fact that all Christian believers, both Jew and Gentile, are now all one in the body of Christ. The church, which is the embodiment of the divine Son, who is its head. In effect, the church is the display unit for God to showcase his kindness and wisdom to the angels. That's what we read about in chapter 3 of this letter. And consistent with this, the Apostle Peter tells us that from the prophesying of the Old Testament prophets right through to the preaching of the New Testament evangelists, the angels in heaven have been most interested in the content of all those spirit-given messages about the sufferings and the glories of the Christ. The angels, Peter says earnestly desire to look into the sufferings of Christ which he suffered for his church in order to bring it to share eternal glory with himself. 
Doubtless, they're still learning from the persecution Christ still suffers whenever members of the body are persecuted here on earth. So that Paul's own sufferings, which he mentioned earlier in the chapter, are included among those sufferings which are of intense viewing interest to angels. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul thinks that God has exhibited apostles like himself as a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. And it was while Paul was at Ephesus that an evil spirit declared that he knew about Paul. All this information builds up an intriguing picture of celestial classrooms, of angelic beings learning to appreciate more of God's manifold wisdom through the church, meaning through us. So that's one practical way in which we can participate in this purpose of the ages which surrounds the mystery of Christ's church, his body. But how else can we be involved? We've glimpsed the church in glory with its members raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places and how it's seen there without defect in the eternal dimension. But how are we managing to represent all this in the here and now? Our earthly quarrels and divisions are totally out of character as we seek to visibly express the body of Christ on earth, just as the first Christians did 2,000 years ago in New Testament churches of God in different localities. Individually, we're holy, but day by day we're to live holy lives. That's another matter, isn't it? Equally, we're all one in the body of Christ, but while we remain on earth, God desires that we should be visibly united. That also is another matter, isn't it? It's not easy to achieve. Some estimates put it as high as 40,000 different Christian denominations in the world today. This is not a great advert for the oneness of the universal church. In other words, it's not an accurate representation of the mystical union of the body of Christ. How can things improve? Paul prescribes a large dose of humility, gentleness, patience and loving tolerance in verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 4, all so that we might preserve what he calls here the unity of the Spirit, which he'll later describe as being the unity of the faith and also as the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Obviously, we need help in this matter, which is why the chapter talks about Christ ascending on high, leading captivity captive and giving gifts, included among which are evangelists and teachers. It's very interesting to see that this is a quotation taken from the 68th Psalm. Psalm 68, if I may remind you, traces the sweep of Old Testament history as God brought his people out from Egypt and through all the desert and finally the Ark of the Covenant was brought up to Jerusalem and into the temple that Solomon had built. Now, Jerusalem is on Mount Zion and so it's as if God was then at last ascending to his rightful place among his people. To assist their service, the service of God back then, God had taken captive for himself the Levites and had given them back to the priests to assist with the people's worship. This is what Paul takes up now as an analogy for the Lord as he now gives, not Levites, but evangelists and teachers to equip the individual believers to promote Christian maturity in them 
and overall with the end result that Christian unity on this earth should be reached. When we see the church described here in Ephesians 4 and verse 13, it's in the context of it becoming mature or attaining to a full-grown stature. And when we compare this with verse 16 of Ephesians 4, which is clearly talking about the growth of the entire body of Christ, we realise that corporate maturity of the body must be intended, even in verse 13. But how can the body mature as a whole, other than through its individual parts? And that's certainly what's happening here, with gifted evangelists and teachers equipping individual believers so that they're no longer all at sea doctrinally. Instead, they speak the truth to one another in love. Please don't think this means that they're just learning to be honest or to speak home truths to one another, as we say, in a kindly way. No, the context shows that they are lovingly speaking doctrinal truth to other body members. That's how they're all mutually becoming more stable. And the end result is measured by the body members together on earth attaining to genuine Christian unity by reaching up to the standard of the unity of the faith. In summary then, here's what we've been saying. This is God's prescription for Christian unity while we wait for the Lord's return. We're emphasising from this chapter three things. First of all, the means, and that's the evangelists and teaching pastors. And then the method, and that's the body members speaking the truth to one another in a loving way. And finally, the measure, and that's the goal of maturity being to arrive at the unity of the faith. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Christ's body on earth was seen in character back then in the New Testament churches of God. In other words, in local churches just like the one at Ephesus. They were charged with becoming physically what the body already is in spiritual reality. Like them, we do this by becoming visibly more united as a duty and function of our connectedness with other body members. But the recipe is not compromise, but rather consecration to the word of our Lord. I wonder just how serious are we to help each other to mature as the body of Christ by sharing Bible truth with one another in a loving way, as we are urged to do here. Our quarrels and divisions and the drawing up of our own man-made constitutions are all out of character. We seem to like to have it where we, as groups, express our own individuality in creative ways. We admire the differences, exalting what may be seen as the Christian value of tolerance. But is this accurately reflecting the unity of the mystical body church in holiness and in truth. The body, as it's represented on earth, needs all its parts to work together if it's to mature as a whole. Would we be prepared to set aside traditions and prejudices and sit down and explore the scriptures afresh for the sake of a greater visibly expressed Christian unity? That would surely give the angels something to talk about.
I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today and if it's raised any comments or questions for Brian, do get in touch using the address which I'll give you in a moment. There's also a transcript book for all the talks in this series and it's available free on request by asking for the title Our Relationship with Jesus Christ. You can order the book by email or by post and uh, this is the address you should use. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Also, uh, you may want to look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org. We're uh, quite excited that this can give you yet another excellent way of accessing again what you first heard here on the radio. Unfortunately, our time's almost gone, but thanks again for the privilege of your company. And I look forward to you joining us again next week, if you can, when Brian will be choosing another section of scripture and seeing how it helps improve our relationship with Jesus. But until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So bye for now and may God richly bless you. We